came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have one great show for you today. We have former Governor Ed Rendell from Pennsylvania, Mario Economo on what's going on in Europe, former Secretary of Housing Ben Carson, and he's worried about our education system. Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, Dr. Peter Michalos, we got to live longer, and Larry Kudlow. What's going on with the economy? And let's start off with Dick Morris. And he is really concerned about what's going on in Washington. With us today is uh, Dick Morris, one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, we practically grew up together. He went to Stuyvesant. I went to Brooklyn Tech. And uh, he uh, is a good friend of uh, uh, President Trump. And he was good friends with President Clinton. Uh, Dick Morris, uh, welcome to Sunday Morning. I've never held your bad education against you, John. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We're lucky that New York has some great schools like that. Yeah, and thank God they've been preserved. Well, I want to talk today about something that nobody knows about, but that everybody must care about. If you have a 401k and you're putting money into it, you better listen hard to what I'm about to say. Until now, the 401k fund managers have been required by federal law to give the investments of their clients' money and put it in those formats which have the highest rate of return. They can't consider anything else other than making the most money for you. Now the Biden Labor Department has issued a regulation that is scheduled to take effect automatically on January 31st that says they may also consider ESG priorities in making these investments. ESG is the woke words for environmental, social, and governance priorities. So they can put you into a windmill project, a solar cells project. And but being you have always talked about, you know, windmills and solar cells are, are nice, but they're not going to run the country. Yeah, but w what happens when you like T. Boone Pickens? He spent billions on windmills around Texas and then wasn't windy. And he lost all of his money or the solar cells that haven't worked when the sun isn't shining. These are unregulated technologies, and it's not just that. This ESG fund stuff would ban money from going into non-union companies who are about 90% of the labor force and the most profitable ones. Does that come under the Supreme Court ruling where uh, ordinary agencies or any agencies can't make decisions that have to be made by the legislature? Well, that's what the plaintiffs will say. There'll be a lawsuit, and we'll see how the court rules on it. So what, what, meantime, what, what Washington is doing, what President Biden is doing, is letting his agencies do all kinds of stuff like that and saying, well, let's see what happens if they sue and go to the Supreme Court. It's more than that. He lost control of the House. 
and his guys are racking their brains. How do they get money to these crazy left-wing woke causes without requiring House approval? And they came up with this. Instead of spending tax money on this, they're going to spend your retirement money on it. And you will have no control over it. Now, right now, it's optional. But soon you can see it being incentivized and then required. And if you don't say where you want your money to go, the ESG fund manager can say, I, I want it to go to ESG causes. And there's so many and people it, that are not familiar with exactly. investment. They just, they just let, whether it's a fidelity or anything like that, they let them make the decision if they don't, if they don't have knowledge. Exactly, like BlackRock, the investment firm. Uh, that's a big fan of ESG investments, controls trillions of dollars. And uh, they're going to put this money into ESG projects. This is a way of funding all the garbage that they couldn't get passed through Congress. Now, this is going to take effect. And January 31st. Yes, yeah, so there are two reasons for this, for this commentary. One is you should get a hold of your Republican congressman because they're not doing anything about this. They're opposed to it. But there's no legislative effort to curtail it. There needs to be. And, and even if they raise enough hell, a lot of Senate Democrats are going to have to consider going along. But the other remedy is individual. On February 1st, you better get on the horn to Vanguard or BlackRock or whoever's running your 401k and tell them in writing, I do not want any of my money to go into ESG investments. Otherwise, the first you'll hear about this is when you get your quarterly statement and you didn't make any money. There's no return on investment on any of that stuff. Well, there theoretically is, but there's not. ESG is supposed to, people say it stands for expect smaller gains. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of garbage talked about, about the debt limit. And Janet Yellen just announced today that the federal government's going to run out of borrowing authority on January 19th. And what always happens is the Republicans always raise hell and say, hell no, we won't raise it. And then the Democrats in the government come back and they say, oh, our credit rating will go to hell. The U.S. will default on its debt. The dollar will be eliminated as the global currency and all of that. Now, first of all, the fact is that if we don't borrow another penny, none of your our credit rating will not be jeopardized at all because we get about 80% of the money we spend comes in in tax money. And we can use the tax money any way we want. It's just the borrowed money that we won't be able to do. And secondly, we can allocate that to debt service, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and take care of all of those things. It's the Department of Commerce, the Department of Labor that's going to be penalized. But beyond that, the Republicans need to get together and take the position that we will not approve any increase in the debt limit unless there is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction in government spending. You want a trillion dollars more borrowing authority, we want a trillion dollars more budget cuts. Discretionary spending, not the mandatory, the discretionary stuff, has gone up 37% in the last three years. We want that back down again. After 9-11, it all went to hell, and we began piling up debt, unbelievable debt. Our debt was $16 trillion on January 2011. It's now $34 trillion. And we have to stop that. And the only way we can stop it. When Bill Clinton left office, the debt was down to $5 trillion. Yeah, and he balanced the budget for four years for Him and Newt Gingrich. Yeah, and Trent Lott. Don't forget that. Uh, and, uh, and I orchestrated the deal. 
But the point is that we have got to ha- call the line on this spending, and the only leverage we have is the debt limit. And everybody should be focused on how we're going to deal with that. I agree, Dick Morris. I agree with you 100%. And I'm going to be listening to you at 12 noon on WABCradio.com, 770 on your uh, AM dial, and on your iPhones, 77 WABC. And what are you going to talk about today? Well, we're going to raise some hell about the 401ks. We're going to talk about the debt limit. And then we're going to talk about the mystery of those documents that they found in the men's room at Biden's house or office. I thought it was the garage in the Corvette. Yeah. Well, he has a very definition. Uh, and, you know, we'll find out. Now, I'm going to ask you to, to do your research. And by noontime today, when you're on, let me know the timing of the $55 million that China gave the University of Pennsylvania and at the timing that when they gave a million dollars a year for, for life to President Biden, at the time it wasn't president, I have to yeah. say that, and it wasn't vice president, was but was it a quid pro quo? Well, they knew damn well that he was going to be pre- run for president. They knew very well that he might be president. And they gave $22 million of the $55 million the second he set up this fund, this Penn-Biden fund. And it was with anonymous donations from China. And that means the Chinese government and the Communist Party. And not only was it a million a year to Joe Biden, but Blinken, Donald Blinken, the Secretary of State, was the executive director of that fund. So all of Biden's foreign policy crowd were on the payroll of the Chinese Communist Party from 2017 to 2020. And that's received no I'm attention looking, until now. Save some for noontime. Okay, you got I'm it. looking forward to listening to you at noontime on WABC. All right? Good. Have a good breakfast before then. Thank you. Thank you. With us today is former Governor Ed Rendell uh, of Pennsylvania, a Democratic National Committee chairman at one time, too. And he's going to give us an update of what the heck is going on in, in Washington, an update what's going on in Pennsylvania, and national politics, of course. Governor Rendell, welcome to Sunday morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners, John. Uh, give us an update. What's going on? What do you think? Washington. Uh, is there going to be any sanity in Washington? There was one good thing that happened last week, and that was uh, Senator McConnell going with President Biden to uh, the uh, groundbreaking for the new bridge between Cincinnati and uh, and Kentucky. Uh, that was a good show of bipartisanship. The money came from the uh, Bipartisan Infrastructure Act that was passed in 2021, 20, uh, and um, it was a good, uh, it, it works well. If we can continue disagreeing on the things we disagree on, uh, agreeing on certain things that are important and getting some things done for the country. Understood. Uh, uh, Congress. We now we have a uh, a Republican uh, House of Representatives, but Kevin McCarthy seems like he's having a few problems with his own people. Uh, versus Hakeem Jeffries seems to have absolute control. How do you think that's going to work out? Well, I think the Republicans are playing with fire. Uh, not only have they ceded some control to the far right of their party, some of whom are absolutely crazy, uh, but they're not going to get anything done except investigating the Democrats. 
And people sitting at home, they don't give much of a hoot about investigations. I mean, they someone's done something wrong, they want to see him held accountable. But they are more, much more interested in in uh, why they can't get insulin, uh, uh, they can't afford the insulin shots, uh, and yet Canada gets insulin shots for a reasonable price. Uh, they can't understand why inflation has taken over, and it appears that we're helpless to do anything about it. They worry about uh, the state of our infrastructure, not just roads and bridges, but water systems. So I think the, the Republicans, if they only do is investigate, they are doing so at, at their peril. Pennsylvania, what the heck is going on? What happened in Pennsylvania is the Democrats won back control of the state legislature. What's happened is two, the Democrats had a three-vote majority. And what's happened is three people, uh, the three, three of the Democrats who won are not available to serve. One died after the election. Two were accepted positions in Governor Shapiro's new government. So there are three vacancies, all of which Democrats won in the general election, and that was the margin of control for the Democrats. So now they're arguing as to when the special elections have to be held. Uh, the Democrats want to hold the special elections sometime in February. Republicans want to hold them consistent with the May primary. I think that this dispute will have to be adjudicated by the Supreme Court of the state. What are the concerns you have uh, for 2023? Look, it's okay to have a, a robust differences between the parties. It's okay to have them charge each other with certain things, because that keeps people on their toes. But it is not okay when the, the business of trying to score political points takes all the air out of the legislative business. We've got to keep doing things. The stakes are too high. China has no problem getting things done. Russia has no problem getting things done. We are seem paralyzed to be able to move quickly on things. And I am shocked, really shocked, that 50 or so Republicans in the House want to, to cut off money to Ukraine um, and try to negotiate with the Russians. The Russians did something, the worst thing that any country has done since World War II. They just outright invaded another country for no reason. They've killed civilians. They've, they've focused on killing civilians, trying to break the will of the Ukrainian people. We, we've got to support them. They're fighting for individual freedom. Between NATO and the United States, uh, uh, they're, they're supplying as much product uh, or, or weapons that, uh, that uh, Ukraine needs. And Putin is now complaining that it's all out NATO, not just Ukraine, against him. And um, we never want to get into World War III, and that's all I'm saying. Uh, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Well, uh, again, I think it's a little bit our responsibility to, to get the message to our legislators, whether they're Republican or Democrat. We don't want you screwing around. We don't want political investigations on either side. We want you to work on our problems. If people, enough people write that letter, they email that into their congressman or their senator. If they hear from us, I think we can get things done. Governor Rendell, 
congratulations on uh, having a, a new Democratic governor in Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, let's catch up again real soon. Thank you, John. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the deputy commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Looking for a little common sense? You've found it. You're listening to the Cats Roundtable. And welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. I'm Lydia Serrani. And on the line with us right now is a drug enforcement agency agent in charge, Frank Tarantino. Uh, he's in charge of the New York division here. And welcome back to the Cats Roundtable, sir. Thank you, Lydia. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us the, the latest New York State quarterly report posted over 5,000 New Yorkers died from opioid overdoses in 2020 alone. That's a 30 percent increase from 2019. And this is, you know, the, the numbers are just staggering. And I know you guys are doing all you can to try to get this drug off the streets. But as much as you're taking it off, it's still pouring in. That's correct, Lydia. I mean, this is an ever-increasing and pervasive threat to our citizens and to our communities. I mean, fentanyl is everywhere and in everything. And fentanyl is the most highly addictive synthetic opioid on the, on the market. And, you know, the work that we're doing has never been more important, nor has it been more vital than it is right here and right now. And that's because Americans are being killed at catastrophic rates. I mean, 107,622 overdose deaths nationally, 3,000 New York City residents in a 12-month period ending in July of 2022. I mean, 80% of all of the overdose deaths in New York City are related to fentanyl. That's 8 out of 10 people dying in New York City from fentanyl poisonings. Wow. And as you know, 295 people every single day are dying in the United States from drug poisonings. 300 people. That's like as if a massive jetliner crashed every single day and all the people on board died. And yet, where is the coverage on the media? Where is the outrage by the Biden administration? Because we know it's pouring in through our southern border. That's absolutely correct, Lydia, that this is the equivalent of a 737 crashing every single day. And this is catastrophic in terms of the amount of deaths in, in such a short period of time. And, you know, the DEA is committed to targeting the two most significant threats to our to our country and to our citizens, and that's the Sinaloa and CGNG. And we are working tirelessly with our state and local counterparts to hold them accountable. Um, the cartels are motivated simply by making money. Um, they're ruthless. They're violent. They're criminal organizations looking to make money. This is a half a trillion dollar a year business. They're strictly motivated by the profit margin, and it's all about relentless expansion for them. Here in, in New York State, New Rochelle High School, that's just a suburb right outside the city, a young girl overdosed using her vape pen. She thought she was smoking marijuana. Turns out it was laced with fentanyl. Thank God they had Narcan on the premises, and she was revived. 
how many of these type of stories do you hear where kids think they're smoking some weed, they're vaping this or that, or they thought they had a, they're getting a Xanax pill and it turns out to be fentanyl and they, they overdose and they could possibly die. Thank God in this case, she was able to be revived. The really concerning thing as a professional in the drug law enforcement business and as a parent is that, as I mentioned, fentanyl is everywhere and it's in everything. And so what we're seeing is fentanyl-laced fake prescription pills. We're seeing fentanyl-laced in crack cocaine. We're seeing fentanyl-laced in heroin and cocaine and methamphetamine. And as you just mentioned now, suspectedly laced in a vape pen in marijuana. So what we say is that it's not safe to use. It's just not safe to experiment with illegal drugs. There's just too much risk at stake. Um, the consequences are too high. It really is. And again, we're speaking with a DEA agent in charge, Frank Tarantino. Back in my day, and I'm not that old, the worst thing you had to worry about was, say, beer, maybe some vodka, maybe some tequila, a little bit of marijuana. And now to hear about this fentanyl that's pouring across the border and you could overdose just by one with one hit, but with one pill. How do we get that message across specifically to our young people that there is no more experimenting these days? Well, Lydia, that's just it, right? This is a relentless drive by the DEA to, to educate and make people aware of the threat that they face each and every day, especially our young people, our most vulnerable. And that really is um, the responsibility of parents and educators and caregivers and people in law enforcement to help them understand the risks involved in experimentation and taking things that aren't prescribed by a family doctor and suspensed or dispensed by a licensed pharmacist. Nothing that you get on the internet is going to be legal. No drug that you buy on the street is going to be legal. And so it's not safe to buy from a friend or on the internet and think that you're going to get Xanax or Vicodin or an Oxycontin. It's, it's most always going to be laced with fentanyl. Six out of the 10 pills that we test in our laboratories across the country have a potential lethal dose of fentanyl. And as you mentioned, it's a very small dosage. We're talking about two milligrams. Wow. Fit on the tip of a pencil, it's six to ten, six, it's between six to 10 to 20 grains of salt poured out on the kitchen table. We're talking about a very small amount. And so when you think about that small amount, and then you consider what the New York division seized in one year, we seized 1.9 million fentanyl-laced counterfeit prescription pills. In addition, we seized 2,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. That's 72 million potential lethal doses. It's three times the amount of citizens that live in the state of New York. Special agent in charge, Frank Tarantino. We have about a minute left. I have to ask, is America under attack? I mean, Lydia, without a question, the, the cartels are an existential threat to the United States, to our public health and public safety. The Chinese criminal groups responsible for flooding Mexico and the United States with the precursor chemicals utilized to synthesize fentanyl. There's no question that this is deliberate. This is calculated. This is treacherous. This is about relentless expansion and a drive to make more money. And yes, the cartels and the Chinese criminal organizations are responsible for this. Wow. Well, thank you so much, uh, 
special agent in charge of the DEA in the New York division, uh, Frank Tarantino. God bless you for all that you do and all of your agents do, because you are truly doing God's work trying to get this, this poison off our streets. Thank you. And saving our kids. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Lydia. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Now we go to former Secretary Ben Carson. He was the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Trump. He was a neurosurgeon, did over 15,000 operations. And one smart guy, he's concerned about education. Tell us what, what, what's going on in Seattle. Uh, the Seattle public school system is actually uh, raising issues against the social media platforms uh, because of the deleterious impact it's having on the academic performance of students there. Um, You know, there's a lot of material that's being circulated to the children that have nothing to do with their intellectual development, and there's a lot of attention to their sociology. Uh, and, you know, their pronouns and uh, all these things that really don't have a lot to do with preparing you uh, to be successful as an adult in our society. And But it's not really just the social media. That's really just a small part of it. You have to look at what we've done to the psyche of our children. You know, we tell them that they may be harboring some horrible disease after making them wear masks for a few years, and that uh, if they get too close to their grandmother, they may kill her. You know, what, how, how does that make you feel? And how does it make you feel if you're a white kid and you're told that you're an oppressor and that all of your relatives are oppressors and have caused all these problems? And if you're a minority, how does it make you feel if you're told that you're a victim? and that the whole system is stacked against you. And then you have all these things on social media to reinforce those kinds of concepts. And then you're told that, you know, people who disagree with you are your enemy. You know, if they have a different yard sign, they're your enemy. If they don't agree with you philosophically, you should try to cancel them or hurt them in some way. How, how is that going to lead to a well-developed, normal adult human being? And tell us that uh, uh, we've seen our education system uh, go downhill. Our kids in the United States are number 25 in the world overall. Uh, Any other statistics like that you have? And what can we do to reverse this problem? Yeah, the the reading scores nationally uh, for the fourth grade are down like three points uh, for the eighth grade is down more than five points. Uh, The math scores are down even larger degree than that. And it takes, those are the biggest drops that we've seen in over 40 years. And uh, it clearly is correlated to the way that we've been isolating the kids, the way that we've been not teaching them. Uh, It has a, a tremendous impact at the time in their development when they are soaking up information like sponges but you're not giving them the information to soak up or you're giving them the wrong information and obviously it's having a a very severe impact upon them i mean if you've looked at some of these man on the street interviews recently 
where they ask people just the, the simplest of questions, and they have no idea what the answer is. And they just kind of laugh it I've off. I've seen that. Well, Dr. Carson, Secretary Carson, I've seen that, where they ask, uh, who's the first president of the United States? And they have no idea. And, of course, this is a problem, because as John Adams said, our system of government is based upon an educated and informed populace. And the reason he said that is because they know that people who are not well informed are very easy to manipulate. You can go around and tell them anything. For instance, you know, you got all these people flooding across the southern border. But if you have people who are simplistic, you can just say, oh, there's no problem at the southern border. Everything is fine. It's all, you know, and they say, oh, okay, okay, whatever you say. Except our kids are suffering, and uh, I don't know what else to do anymore. Um, the, I guess some of the, the wealthier kids are getting better educations, but the, uh, the poorer kids in poorer neighborhoods, no matter how good some of these uh, uh, teachers' unions are, they're actually hurting those kids. Uh, they, they are, and we can't give up on them, though. And one of the things we do at American Cornerstone Institute is we have a little Patriots program it's 100% free of charge online program to teach the children K through five the real history of this country and the principles upon which this country was established. You know, our faith, liberty, community, and life. And these are done so well when people look at them, they say, how much is this gonna cost? And then they're shocked when we say it's free. It's not really free, it's just that we get uh, very patriotic, wealthy individuals to help underwrite the program. And it has teaching manuals that go along with it and quizzes and all kinds of activities that can be downloaded. Again, all free of charge. And how, did he, how does a school system, because this is going to be a national show, how does the school system get access to this? Is there a website to go to? Yeah, littlepatriotslearning.com. They just go to that website, and all the instructions are there, and uh, contact numbers to get things set up. And we have to be every bit as vigorous, even more vigorous than they are, to make sure that we teach our children the right things. And recognizing that our history gives us our identity, and our identity is the foundation for our beliefs. And if we don't have those things together, we become very easy to manipulate. Well, Secretary Ben Carson, uh, thank you for speaking out. Uh, former Secretary of, uh, under uh, President Trump, the United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. We have and to we want to together. thank you for, for being a patriot and, and for your support in the past. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dr. Carson, and we'll catch up again real soon. Take care. For our weekly report from Europe, we have Mario Economo. He was raised in Europe and the Middle East, and Mario, tell us what's going on in Europe. I mean, uh, uh, the United States now uh, uh, has a government. Uh, the Congress has voted uh, a new speaker. We're going forward. What's going on in Europe? Yes, good morning, uh, Cats Roundtable. Well, as you can well imagine, the big story that's been coming across in Europe today since uh, last night is the uh, announcement about President Biden 
and these uh, files which were found in his garage and at another facility. I think a lot of the Europeans now are scratching their head and wondering what the outcome of this is going to be. In President Biden, they found a very strong supporter of the European Union, uh, and I think they are concerned about what may unfold in the U.S. as a result of these findings. In other news uh, in Europe, uh, in Sweden, which currently has the rotating presidency of the European Union, it looks like there is going to be a rather substantial decline in the Swedish housing market. Specifically, they're saying around 20%. And a lot of this has to do with the post-pandemic. Uh, during the pandemic, there was a gain as people were obviously moving out and trying to find larger places in the country. What's happening now is as everybody retrenches once again and people are starting to go back to offices, uh, they're beginning to see that many of these larger homes that people wanted uh, are actually going to uh, come on the market. This coupled with the fact that we're looking at an in increasing interest rate environment, which makes homes much more unaffordable. As in, 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 uh, in the United States, uh, uh, Jay Powell, the, the uh, Fed chairman, has to make a decision because it's hurting other industries that they keep raising uh, interest rates. Uh, what's going on with interest rates in Europe? So the ECB, the European Central Bank, will most likely continue its rate hikes. Uh, we have not seen in Europe the pullback on inflation that we're being told is happening in the U.S. So for the time being, it looks like the ECB in Europe will continue to raise uh, interest rates. Uh, of course, this uh, doesn't mean that they won't stop if they see that the inflation cools in the Eurozone. But as of right now, we're not seeing the pullback that we're seeing in the U.S. inflation uh, rate. On the uh, end of the Ukraine and Russia, are they funding now Ukraine even more? So that's a very interesting uh, question, uh, Mr. Katsimatidis. And we've seen a lot of stories coming out, both from the Russian side and the Ukrainian side. And frankly, it's very difficult to try to figure out which stories to believe and which ones not to believe. Uh, the Ukrainians are saying they're making gains. The Russians are saying, in fact, they're not making gains. Uh, the Russians keep telling us they're killing thousands of Ukrainian soldiers. The, sol the Ukrainians are telling us the same about the Russians. What I continue to find rather odd, and I've said this since the start of this war, we're not seeing soldiers in hospitals recovering. We're not seeing soldiers that are dead in the field, at least not in the numbers that we're being told they're being killed which is a little bit surprising because in this era of the propaganda wars, you would think if one side actually does kill 700 soldiers of the other side, they would have video and pictures of it. Um, I know it sounds gruesome, but that's the reality of it. So I'm not too sure what's going on. The Europeans, for their part, specifically Germany, is actually now close to a decision on sending leopard tanks to the Ukraine. Uh, in order to be able to help the Ukrainians. We know that the U.S. Uh, is going to have Ukrainian soldiers sent from the Ukraine to the U.S. to be trained on how to use the Patriot missile batteries. Those are the uh, surface-to-air missiles that intercept, inter intercept jets and other incoming missiles. Uh, will that have an impact? How soon will that have an impact? The reality is we don't know. We also know, based on another story that's come out in Germany, the Germans were going to be using certain vehicles called Puma vehicles, 
which are like the martyrs. Those are armored uh, personnel carriers with certain guns on them uh, that can be used both to hit tanks but also to move around troops quickly. These Puma vehicles, which were used in a very large training exercise in Germany, failed miserably. And not just one or two of them, but all of them had issues. So the Germans have had to pull those out. They're actually going to go back to the previous generation vehicle, which they have in storage, which is called a martyr vehicle, which is, in theory, not as good as the Puma vehicle, but the reality is the martyr works and the Puma does not work. Uh, this is actually a very big hit for NATO itself because the Germans were going to use these Puma vehicles as part of what's called NATO's spearhead force uh, this year. Uh, and now they're not going to be able to do that. So that, of course, will have a tremendous impact on NATO's spearhead force. Uh, we know that the French are going to be sending some light armored vehicles to the Ukraine. So all in all, I think everybody is basically preparing for this war to drag on and to essentially put more weapons and materials in the fight against Russia. Do I think, my personal opinion, are the Russians terribly concerned about this? No, I don't think they are. I think the Russians have sufficient artillery shells, sufficient uh, vehicles, and sufficient soldiers, irrespective of what everybody is telling us, to be able to continue this fight. I think ultimately what this is going to come down to is how much more money does either side want to continue putting into this? If the, uh, if the checkbook is unlimited, the war can go on for many years. Well, the, the, price of oil, the price of oil is down, so Putin's checkbook is a little bit less. The price of oil is down, and even at the, at the price cap that they put on the oil, uh, which is currently, by the way, above the price cap that the EU put on the price of oil, Putin is still making roughly $100 billion a year on oil. So the idea that the price of oil is down and Russia is suffering to tremendous uh, extent is not true. They're still pulling in over $100 billion a year off of their oil. Uh, if I may just say one more thing, Mr. Katsimatidis, we've touched on this before, and it has to do with the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom right at the moment is suffering from tremendous strikes, industrial actions, uh, the the NHS, National Healthcare System in the UK, is essentially close to collapse. Just to give you two quick statistics, the normal time that an ambulance uh, has to arrive at a house once it's dispatched for a heart attack or a stroke should be 18 minutes. They're running around one hour and 30 minutes. The normal time, extended time, that it used to be in an ER that you had to wait to see a doctor in the bad days, they say, was four hours. It's now upwards of 12 hours. There are tremendous problems in the United Kingdom. The situation, which was very bad under the previous prime minister, is now continuing to be bad, and the current prime minister, Mr. Sunak, is actually trying to resolve this issue by meeting with the various unions and trying to stop the various industrial actions that are happening. It's going to be very difficult to do, and the U.K. will continue to suffer progressively in a much, more, in a much worse way. Well, Mario Konomo, thank you for the update, and we'll catch up with you again next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on around the world, in the military especially? With us today is the former uh, Secretary, Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, Ty McCoy, and uh, one knowledgeable guy of what, what the heck is going on. Uh, Ty McCoy, Sunday morning, what's going on in, in the world? John, uh, it's great to be with you and your team. Always love to listen to cats and, and all of your guests and the knowledge you bring to things. And right now, I think what we're seeing is a real uh, decision by many of the major powers and, and their uh, minor power uh, allies as to how the shape of the world is going to be situated. And I think that the main decision is being driven uh, by the failure of the Russian armed forces uh, in their battle to take back uh, the Ukrainian state or part of it. And they are pushing further to uh, go for a, a long war. Uh, the facts on the ground will ultimately uh, determine how we are able to uh, stop the conflict, or at least the, 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 uh, big, the big conflict that is having armies engaged. The Russians have just announced they're going to call up all men in the Russian Federation who have never served in the army for some reason. So they're going further and further. I think this is a sign that the army, the senior professional army people are saying to Putin, if you want to win this war and you seem to be bound and determined to do so, give us the power, put us back in charge, mobilize the country, get the country back behind us, and be serious because we're tired of these uh, micromanaged special military operations being run out of the basement of the Kremlin. And that's no way to really run a war. So I think that's a sign. Uh, one, they're getting serious for, for more and longer conflict and also maybe a little better organized on their end. So they are, in a, in a way, that's a form of psychological escalation. Uh, internally and in terms of being uh, showing determination to try and win. So we're going to have to uh, blunt that and prove that even their great uh, military uh, genius, uh, Gerasimov, they think, is not have a magic uh, way to bring to bear the full power of all the military departments and services uh, in the Russian Federation to achieve uh, the the victory which they so badly want to to have. Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, and loves America. Thank you for your input, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you very much, Cats. God bless America, and God bless your great team up there. And with us today is our in-house genius, and all of us want to live longer. And Dr. Peter Mihalos has always been giving us advice how to live healthier how to live longer, and it's, it's his opinion, but it's, it's good advice, and I, I've been following it myself. Uh, with us today, Dr. Peter Michalos. Uh, Dr. Michalos, what are we doing this week? So there's a new class of drugs and even some natural substances called phenolytics that help to eat up these dead or dying or zombie cells, and they uh, basically, when you hurt those cells and you take them out of the picture, you get less inflammation, 
and you get less aging. And a study that was done on uh, mice was done at the Mayo Clinic where they took the cetinimib, which is a chemotherapeutical agent in low doses, and they gave also quercetin, which is basically a substance that's a powerful um, antioxidant and senolytic from green leafy uh, vegetable type things, including things like spinach, broccoli, and they put it in a powder form and and feed it to the uh, mice. They found that they were able to have less diseases as they aged, and they ended up living like 30% longer, which is a major breakthrough. So now these combination drugs and various other drugs, and there's some companies, there's one company that hundreds of millions of dollars were put in by uh, Jeff Bezos working on this aging issue. And we're going to have senolytics, which will become available to humans. Is, is it available now, doctor? Well, you can buy the quercetin over the counter and, uh, a lot of people take quercetin once a day or five days a week, and they uh, they say that this uh, quercetin, which is a senolytic, will actually help slow down uh, dead and dying cells. And other other substances from nature, for example, grapeseed extract and uh, resveratrol, uh, a lot of the work done at Harvard by David Sinclair and at MIT Lenny Guarente have shown that these also may play a role in slowing down the aging process and human clinical trials are being conducted. So it is exciting that if we can target aging, which is really the cause of all the other diseases, we could slow down the aging process and we can try to die young at an old age and have more health span, not just lifespan. Now, the the item that we have to do some more uh, discussion on maybe next week is... I've stopped, I stopped drinking ouzo, alcohol, uh, because it kills some of my, uh, my good bacteria. Now, Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a further discussion on that next week because I want to have an ouzo once in a while. Yeah, I think once in a while we all have to do it, just like I've turned dessert Sundays. Once a week is dessert day on Sunday because sugar feeds inflammation and it also feeds cancer cells. So we'll talk more about it on the next episode of the Cats Roundtable. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter Michalos. Well, thank God God it's Friday and Larry Kudlow is with us and that is uh, Larry's uh, theme song. Uh, Larry Kudlow, you're one of the leading uh, economists in the country. Where the heck are we? I hope uh, was Governor Patterson there when you played that. No, no Governor Patterson was hiding. Sick. He was hiding. He was, he hiding. was, he, he was sick. <laughs> uh, well, it was a very interesting week. Uh, I will say one thing: um, politics often affects the economy and economic policy. So I'll just give you my personal opinion. This uh, classified document scandal. Uh, that Biden finds himself in, which is deepening and will continue to get deeper, makes it more likely, much more likely, that the Republican House will be able to do what it wants to do to cut spending, which is, I think, the number one policy priority we have. Democrats, the Biden Democrats, politically very wounded from this scandal, and this will help Kevin McCarthy and his gang to really slash spending, which is anti-inflationary and pro-growth. There'll be no tax hikes. 
They'll even be able to curb some of the regulations. And maybe they'll even get into a much better policy to open the spigots for oil and gas. That's the way I see this. Others may disagree. I appreciate that. But sometimes politics has a lot to do with the economy. I think this is one of those times. Larry Kudlow, as a member of the media yourself, what do you think about the transparency that is clearly lacking by the Biden administration? The fact that they sat on this for months and obviously they were trying to keep it under wraps right before the midterms. And, and of course, they criticized Trump all the way, all, all full, fully knowing that there was this treasure trove of classified documents in Biden's own garage. I mean, the hypocrisy, do they, it, it knows no bounds as the cliche goes. Did they replace the cleaning ladies? Were they there to shine the Corvette? I mean, what were they doing? It's there a bad exactly? job market was, for lawyers. The repair guy I, came to fill the tire. I I guess so. Somebody, I mean, the, the glove compartment was locked. I mean, come on. No, this, uh, Lydia, this, this story is going to get worse. And by the way, we're going to discover more documents. Trust me on this. And don't you want to know what's even, inside those documents, Larry? Well, you know, I, there's a part of me that, I mean, look, I still have my uh, national security clearance uh, as a former assistant to the president. But no, I don't really want, I don't want anybody to know. Those documents could have gone to the National Archives. Mm -hmm. A retiring vice president does not walk out of the White House with a barrel full of classified documents and then start taking them to places. There's only one place they're supposed to go by law, and that is the National Archives. Now, if you want to read the documents, because he still has his security clearance, you go to the National Archives. That's the way. I mean, I had Mike Pence on our show, obviously a former vice president, and we talked about this at some length. And uh, Mr. Biden broke the law. Now, I'm not going to make a federal case out of that. He's not going to jail. But I will say this. Trump should have been treated equally, and he wasn't. Okay, I'm sure Trump has a smile on his face now because their case against him completely blows up. Well, Larry, we're, we're going to be listening to you Saturday morning between 10 o'clock and, and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Our number one show, Larry Kudlow, uh, show on uh, WABCradio.com and w- 770 on your dial and on your iPhone, 77 WABC. Thank you for listening to the Catch Roundtable every Sunday morning. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.